care for all Rose can suck my balls Fuck your reply guys Please don't fuck your reply guys Just listen to reply guys Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys The leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us I'm Julia Clare. Uh, Kate, unfortunately, is not with us this week, but she will be back on our Patreon episode and our regularly scheduled episode next week. Um, but today I have a very special guest uh, with me on the, the podcast. She is a comedian, a writer. She writes for Adult Swim's Robot Chicken. She is the co-host of the Bechtel Cast podcast and the host of the my Year in Mensa podcast. She is also my best goddamn friend, Jamie Loftus. Hi. Hello. <laughs> What's up? What's up? Um, you know, you and I are just here sweating to the oldies, which we love. It's a, it's a blistering July day. It is a horrible time to be, well, anywhere. So <laughs> To be anywhere, sure. And you are... I'm in New York. You're in Los Angeles. Yeah. Bunch of the two coastal gen- the two assholes. Coastal elites, the two yes. genders. Um, <laughs> and what is... Tell, it seems like there's a lot going on in L.A. right now. Um, it's a disaster. It's, <laughs> uh, it's really... I mean, it's kind of like... I don't know. I mean... It's confusing because it's just so I think especially when I talk to like my family about it and friends who live out of state who don't necessarily have a reason to be keeping up on the state of California. um, It's confusing because California was doing not the worst by any stretch towards the beginning like it was like almost like oh this is kind of like this is a good example to be setting and now we're it's the total opposite it's just been um thing after thing of i mean outside of just citizen behavior because it is just as bad here as it is anywhere um because it's like there's just like a bunch of entitled assholes who are the whole thing is like uh mary garcetti wants us to be able to eat al fresco which is just (laughs) which is so it's just a lot of having it both ways where the the mayor will say hey, you know, only go out for necessary errands, but also all restaurants are open and you should go to them. Like, it's just the <sighs> the both waysiness of it. I mean, I just, like, won't rest until his head is mounted on my wall, but it is, <laughs> it's egregiously bad. And we, we're, you know, we're, we're lucky to have secure housing and we're, we're like, doing all right. But it seems, as of this recording, there is, like, kind of another expected looming we're just going to get completely shut down again because the numbers are getting so bad um, yeah didn't didn't gavin newsom say that they that they are moving towards another shutdown well gavin newsom says a lot of things but which of them does he mean <laughs> they're they're both just like such like just boot looking dorks like it's i mean you just can't you can't you can't trust a man who looks like gavin newsom you can't trust a man whose face is that angular any more than you can trust a nepotism dweeb like eric garcetti like it's just (laughs) it's exhausting it's really frustrating and it's really 
confusing i think intentionally so oh um, for sure yeah because it's you know newsom and garcetti in in different ways will roll something out and then roll it right back the next day and right now in la we have like a like a post 9-11 style um color-coded like smoky the bear emergency alert of like today is code orange which means go to a <laughs> restaurant but also stay locked in your bathroom like it's so confusing <laughs> Using. And in the meantime, just every, every like remotely humane thing that was done in the state of California has been undone since. There is no more good things happening. <laughs> they took away our COVID testing so that the Dodgers could start playing again. That's just literally a fact. <laughs> uh, they, oh my God. It's so, it's just like, it is aggressive there and, yeah, and you called you called it a before we started recording you called it a statewide lobotomy yes, it, it's just like because everyone i don't know it's like they're everyone is still very panicked but now but we've been in a state of panic for so long that it's just a sustained panic so everyone's like yeah you can no longer get tested for the coronavirus because baseball and it's just, I mean, not to mention how, like, I mean, it, it's shit for us, and we're really lucky. So there now it's summer, it's over 100 degrees, you know, regularly. It's over 90 almost every day at this point. There are still, like, there's three cooling centers in our entire city for unhoused people, um, which... Los Angeles is fucking gigantic. There is no yeah, Los Angeles is huge. There's nowhere to go. And the libraries are still closed. Uh, so there's just, especially for the unhoused population, which has been growing and growing and growing here. It's getting just unlivable. It's completely uh, f- a failure on every level of government. I will say on the positive side, uh, there has been a lot of really encouraging uh, mutual aid efforts being made to yeah. combat the lack of everything. Uh, so that's that's really positive. There, uh, I've been tangentially involved, but mostly just observing and learning from the work of, um, it's not an organization, just a collection of people who are doing the Community Fridge Project, which I think there's one in New York going yeah. as well. Yep. Um, and that yeah, seems... There's some, there's- a few i've seen them there's definitely one in my neighborhood there mm-hmm. are a few in in uh different neighborhoods in brooklyn for sure i'm not sure about i'm sure that they exist in manhattan as well but yeah yeah it's been really cool that like it's it's still it's i don't know i'm just on a million signal threads that are just like thing. it's it's because like people are learning to become organizers in real time basically and figuring out you know what to do but it, but things it, it's been working and there's i think like between seven and eight fridges that have gone up in the past week and that's really good um yeah systemically complete flatline shit yeah nothing <laughs> alfra we have we are like just totally alfresco and <laughs> oh i mean that's that's like that's here in new york too and and what's interesting about our um governor mayor of our largest city situation is mm-hmm. that um cuomo will say or basically how it works is like cuomo and de blasio are locked in this like perpetual pissing contest so de blasio will 
say one thing and then Cuomo will say, actually, you don't have the jurisdiction to do that. You don't have like... Like, can they just email each other? I just don't. It's really... I want them... I want them to email. I want... I want their... I want them to be in, like, couples counseling because they... I mean, now more than ever, they need... They need to stop this. I... Yeah. Ugh. It's really frustrating. And and they're... In L.A., there was also a uh, rent relief lottery that is recently opened. They're not oh, calling... Oh, boy. They're not calling it a lottery, but boy, if that's not exactly what it is. And there, it's just, I mean, whatever. I know that everything's cranked up to an 11 because it's an active dystopia. But as of yesterday, uh, you can apply for rent relief. Just And it's just a complete crapshoot of whether you can continue yeah. to live or not. And like the way it's framed by the mayor's office is like, isn't this completely epic like you're just like no <laughs> like how is this but you know our entire city it council this... is bought out by property owners so oh yeah i mean no that's obviously the same for the new york city council mm-hmm. and for a long time our whole state legislature was in the pocket of the new york city the new york real estate industry um and that's like sort of changing now, but you know they're planning to open housing court back up. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, the like moratorium on evictions is going to come to a close, which is it's just like yeah. all of it is so fucking ghoulish, and it's I don't know, horrifying. I yeah, I don't know. Our our city council as of right now is completely bought out by property is because they haven't like they vote together 96 percent of the time always against the interests of everybody there was a similar thing where like i live near a large encampment and at the beginning of the pandemic it was like uh some bare minimum stuff that was somewhat encouraging where you know our city councilor installed bathrooms in the at these encampments and installed yeah. water sta- uh, stations and it like took the end of the world to get it going but it's like okay this is a basic and they have just stopped servicing them some of them have been taken away like it it, it was just a placating thing and now it's summer and things are you know more difficult than ever and yeah so just uh, and and then i mean it is just i don't know it is scary and it's confusing because you're, I don't know, like you're, I mean, you feel it too, just like your equilibrium of like, can I relax even 1% fluctuates so yeah. much. Yeah. Where at first I, it was really scary because the whole world was really scared, but our city was doing like, you know, s- still bad, but not the worst and yeah. there is something about very suddenly being the worst that, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not good. I don't really, I don't really know. I, I, I'm very, like, if it weren't for, like, mutual aid and just, like, feeling like there's at least places to funnel that stressed manic energy into, um, 
Yeah, it sucks here. It fucking it fucking sucks so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, on top of that, you and I both live in cities where you know notoriously great police departments. Just oh, a yeah. plus, just full no blown notes. murderers wandering the streets. <laughs> All day. We, like, <laughs> all day. And that is also, I mean, everywhere, but like that has also gotten worse where we had a situation. And, and, you know, to, to your point with um, like the unhoused population, mm-hmm. they experienced so much violence at the hands of police. Yes. And that was something that a conversation kind of started during the early pandemic of while there were some proposals and like there was encouragement to literally just like not do sweeps during um lockdown because like i'm near us but then a lot of other places like early on it was just like going to encampments that may not have had access to information and being like this is going on if you're not feeling well self-quarantine um if possible and so we had a number of unhoused people who live in our neighborhood who were self you know, who are self-isolating. And Mm -hmm. if you do a sweep while someone is self-isolating, everyone gets sick. And then like about a month and a half ago, there was a mysterious fire at the encampment that wiped. Unfortunately, no one was hurt, but it's just like, it's getting so aggressive. The police like are, are getting so, I mean, not that they ever were not mask off aggressive, but the frequency has been, increasing it's just on every level it's it's gotten real bad and we had to do i mean it is like i don't know i'm like looking for the smallest points of optimism in it but like there was uh one of our neighbors was detained for no reason and was like being held in handcuffs in the middle of the street a couple weekends ago and the whole neighborhood came out and started filming it and started like asking the cops like what are you doing has this person done anything and so it's we met a lot of our neighbors that way it's the worst way to meet a neighbor (laughs) uh but it's just like stuff like that is now like an all like an all the time occurrence um so yeah yeah no there are i mean i think the only shred of of optimism has been in like the everyday like direct action like exactly like that Mm -hmm. um things like that just people like standing shoulder to shoulder with their with their neighbors um and yeah the the mutual aid efforts here in brooklyn have also been like really robust yeah um and that's been cool to see and also like i mean we've had these like tiny little victories of or i mean i I shouldn't say they're like we've had some um socialists elected to the state legislature yeah which rocks um and, you know, people who are, like, unequivocally for Medicare for all, which is obviously so important right now. I I, I read some statistic that, like, this is this pandemic has been the highest number of people collectively losing their insurance in American history mm-hmm. because, like, everyone's insurance is, is tied to their employer yep um so that's bad we hate that um (laughs) we don't love it 
but yeah, I, this, this sort of ties into, so I, I, I'm sort of going to pivot, but, um, you have an incredible show called, uh, boss whom is a girl about, uh, girl boss feminism. And, mm-hmm. um, I've seen it a number of times. It's the fucking best. I recommend if uh, live comedy ever comes back, I recommend that you eventually see. It <laughs> see will be. Oh, here's here's a fun plug. It's okay. gonna. Uh, I'm gonna be performing the show to nobody on August 21st as a part of Austin Sketchfest, and I'm pretty sure people can just stream it for free. So. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, everyone should do that because it's so good. Again, I've seen it uh, a number of times, and it it changes every time I see it. But in that in that vein, you wrote it a few years ago, like the first iteration of it. You wrote it a few years ago. Um, yeah, it was January of last year. Okay. Yeah. Really? Oh my god. I know. I know. There was. It was kind of. Like, I think it's just everyone's like perception of time is so fucked up. But I wrote it technically oh last year. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Well, j- <laughs> January twenty nineteen is when you wrote yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I performed it for the first time February twenty nineteen. <laughs> Okay, well, time is a flat circle, and <laughs> everyone can it feels die. Like forever. I don't like when was I born? I don't know. Um, but it's so good, and obviously, it's like a commentary on uh, girl boss feminism and capitalist feminism, mm. corporate feminism. And so, my question to you about that was like in the wake of the uh, in the wake of the pandemic. Um, and all the protests that we were just talking about, um, how do you think the landscape of, like, the conversations around feminism have changed since you wrote the show last, even last year? Yeah, I don't, um, that's a really good question. I, I've been thinking about it a lot because I'm attempting at least to, like, update the script to include and reference things that have literally just happened in the past year and a half um where I I don't know I mean I think that I kind of want to examine my own like role in in stuff like that too and I think that a lot of what the show like sort of references but never explicitly um dates in any extended way is like the extreme whiteness and like where that comes in because I think that I was writing it from like uh really 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 honing in on the class elements of what i was trying to say yeah and not zooming out far enough about other issues and then i think also just had like kind of an insecurity and worry of like what if i do this wrong i don't want to because like the character is so like just fucked up in the way they discuss things i was like i don't know how to like I I was just I honestly kind of psyched myself out and it was like something that I wanted to say but I was like I don't I don't know if I can and then I kind of like let myself out of it under those terms which I think was kind of a chicken shit thing to do uh in retrospect so I I think that like the character I mean obviously like all all of these girl bosses or the vast majority of them are so aggressive in 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 ways that extend beyond 
um, like outright capitalism. Like it's, yeah. so I think that, I mean, so many of the stories that have been um, surfacing even in the past few months are focused on like the extreme, like not microaggressions, just straight up aggressions towards yeah. uh, towards black employees, towards any non-white employee. Um, and I think that giving that character a little more, I mean, that would be an element of that character for sure. Um, so, so I think that that, I guess that element or that characteristic characteristic racism is not really a characteristic that, <laughs> but that side of the girl boss persona was not discussed in depth or it publicly i guess mm-hmm. enough in a mass way um even when those conversations were starting i think that they started from a perspective of capitalism which encompasses obviously so much um but didn't get hyper specific into um who exactly um are the victims of this mentality and in what ways um so that's just something that i like straight up had a lot to um learn more about and and just like read the i mean and and the accounts are fucking horrifying you read about the bando girl boss you read about there was so like the the, wi- the lady from the wing the wing girl boss the squirrel boss like there's so <laughs> many uh you know rich white women who are it, it there's so many of them and now there's truly like unfortunately so much more to draw upon because there's so many more accounts. Like when I wrote the show, I was mainly pulling from Sophia Amoruso, Elizabeth Holmes, uh, Caroline Calloway light in reference to a different character. And then um, Cheryl Sandberg. Like those are like the four main people I was thinking about and researching. Oh, and a little bit of what's her fucking name um girl wash her face who also has been exposed in additional ways because you oh told my me God. about her oh yeah girl wash her face yeah. yeah um jamie and i were famously in where were we, we santa were monica santa, santa barbara no no no. we were on our way to santa barbara were oh, we in yes we, we were... stopped in did we stop in santa monica where did we stop we i think it that... was around i might have been santa monica we were on like some like penny marshall weekend trip it was the bougiest little like strip mall <laughs> in the world. There was an Amazon was, bookstore. So yeah, there was an Amazon bookstore there, which is maybe the most cursed place in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that girl wash your face book was, of course, all over the fucking Amazon bookstore. And I was like, you know about her, right? Front and, and she center. is. I'd, I had no yeah. idea. Um, and um, now she's, uh, there's, there's more, there's just been more com- like there's, there's truly like, I mean, and rightfully so, but there's just been, there's just 500 more people to pull examples and research and specifics from like, I made a Google doc of like all the stuff to, um, you know, just go over again. Cause I read the stories as they came out, but um, it was overwhelming and yeah. now it's like going back and yeah, there's just so many more and, and, and it's good. And I mean, as horrifying as many of the accounts are, it's, you know, they're getting a public, uh, platform and it's not just relegated to Twitter threads and not that those aren't valuable, but like, 
you know, the, the information is disseminating more widely. And um, so I'm hoping to incorporate some of that into the show. But yeah, there's just more. I don't think the situation has improved. There's just more. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much more because things have just gotten so much better since last year. (laughs) Yeah, it's. I mean, Uh, I I have been encouraged. There's like there. I've been really encouraged to see people talk about it more. and then there's also the smallest part of you that is like, now we're talking about it. Fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I personally love that for you. Um, you, oh, Jamie, yes, you are my best friend, but I also hate you for so many reasons. One of which is that um, you are just like constantly creating. You are so prolific with, your work output in a way that um, makes me feel personally bad about myself. And it's a personal so that's why you're you. here. Is. It's a personal affront. I am here to personally cancel you. You are my Bari Weiss. Um, that's the long and the short of it. But... <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm. In that I think that you will have... Um, yeah, I think that um, Thomas Chatterton Williams will kick someone out of their house over you. Um, but oh, that's as good. This means I get to date an SNL cast member. Cal I really hope away. so. Um, <laughs> so one of your other projects that you did in the last year uh, is my year in Mensa, which is a um limited series podcasts about exactly that um and for you know obviously i know all about this because i know everything about you and i watch you while you sleep but Mm -hmm. um for the listeners at home can you tell us about how that project like came to be and uh the gist but everybody should listen to it i said this to jamie when it came out it is my favorite thing she has ever made it is so fucking good i cannot endorse it enough so anyways sorry to sorry to get Susie orman on you but um (laughs) (laughs) um jamie take it away make me stop talking um Okay, let's see. The so the Mensa project started as just like a, a clickbait article I was asked to write um about just like taking a Mensa test and writing what it was like. Um which I did, but then I also kind of like went ham and studied really hard for it. Which <laughs> yes. Which resulted in me passing the test um, and getting in and then kind of like I was I don't know it, it's it's really it's good and it's bad in terms of reflecting on it now because there's parts of I started writing these articles over two years ago now and there's like I wish if I could like go back and be like just like. I don't know. I was approaching it as a comedian and then in the middle was kind of not forced, but like felt like there was a need to pivot to not doing that as much. Um, But at the beginning I was kind of like fully farting off and I was like, Oh man, like this is so like ridiculous. And like, I'm going to like ruin Mensa. I'm a dumb slut and I got in and haha, this is 
funny to me, which it was. Uh, but then I started getting all these messages about how uh, Mensa has this like really um, dark faction of it through this um, extensive, like this huge secret online group that is officially endorsed by the organization where it is just like free speech city which means everything you think it does. It's just completely unmoderated. You know, you can attack people. You can threaten to murder people. You can you can be racist. You can be misogynist. You can be transphobic. And everyone is doing this. And so I got kind of a few tips from a few people to, like, check it out because it, it, it mm-hmm. was heavily promoted by the organization. So it wasn't just like... If you're in Mensa and also racist, here's a group you can join. It was yeah. like, this was the group. Um, so I joined the group and found out that I was already being actively harassed in the group before I even got there. Because Which, I mean, don't, don't you love when that happens? It's kind of nice to like walk in a room and everyone already knows who you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they were, so I like immediately they started tagging me in this post where they were like <laughs> threatening to kill me. It was, it was a wild welcoming party and. So I took still kind of being like, this is like fucked up, but it's still kind of funny because I hadn't looked at the group in detail. I had just seen the posts that were like, we should kill Jamie Loftus, which is like kind of funny um, or was in 2018. Uh, So I screenshotted a bunch of stuff, posted it on Twitter. And I was like, look, these dorks are threatening to kill me. Teehee. And then things got just... infinitely worse and never got better again where um i have since learned i feel very naive now uh that there are unwritten rules in secret groups and if you don't infer the unwritten rules you have to be killed uh so the so because i had posted screenshots that uh gave away the shell accounts of these like it wasn't it was very rarely their actual names but I yeah. posted screenshots without censoring the names. And therefore, I was like, it was not funny anymore. And that I truly was like a problem for yeah. this group. And it just continued to escalate. Uh, spoke to people who were like in charge of the organization. And they were kind of like, shut up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then I was being like repeatedly. Classic Mensa. <laughs> And they were just like, we totally hear you now, like, cut your face off and bleed out. Like, uh, but whatever, that, that was all. So it just wasn't going to be handled. Again, I'm just like, Jamie, what did you expect? But like, I, it, I, I learned it was not going to be handled bureaucratically. So I imagine I know it turns out that you, you can get a meeting after months of trying and then they'll just tell you to, you know, fuck off and die, which is, you know, Part of what I like about this story is that it's just a microcosm of a lot of things. But sure. Um, anyways, I, it like escalated and all these racists were daring me to come to this big Mensa um, gathering, which I did. And a lot of wild shit happened. And then I made the podcast about it. But um, yeah, it's- I remember I remember you being at the Mensa conference and like texting me at the time and I was I mean 
It's not the first time I've been genuinely worried for your safety, but it was certainly one of the times that I've been sincerely worried for your safety. Um, and it, that sounds kind of kooky because it's like, how dangerous could people from Mensa be? But yeah. I think when you when you see the kind of vitriol that these people post with reckless abandon. Um, I don't know. It made I, I, like I know that it made it made you scared. Certainly made me scared. Um, mm. But yeah, what and you know one of the things that I really love about the podcast and why everyone should listen to it is that it kind of more broadly examines the idea of IQ societies mm. and how they are very much like and very often rooted in like race science uh like the yeah. history of iq societies is pretty much like it's white phrenology. people are smart yeah. yeah um anyways i am uh currently sending my skull measurements to them <laughs> and it's like um yeah they're uh people love to get like racists are obsessed with measuring their own skulls instead of reading a book um, <laughs> just, just, but yeah, there, so yeah, I mean the, upon researching the history of the group, it's entirely, it's like the foundation of the group is, uh, phrenology and like the study yeah. of the shape of your skull. And it's rooted in all of the bad stuff that is like been used to execute people. And like, you know, like it's just. And sterilize people. And is used in the NFL for, for reasons I still don't fully understand. Oh, my God. Uh, well, I mean, woke girl boss herself, the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it was so weird. And now it's, uh, I am like trying to decide of whether it's like worth making a follow up episode about, but there's more stuff happening. I, once the, the I released the podcast in January and then I left all of the Facebook groups because I just like for my own like well-being I was like I cannot just yeah. keep looking at these groups and I knew that the blowback that I was going to get was going to be bad and so most of that outside of people who took it upon themselves to like send me emailed screeds for the most part I didn't have to see it which was great. But now that it's kind of coming back around again, where this past weekend there was this um, big, like they, they have, I think, quarterly official American Mensa meetings. And I have some sources inside, even though my membership has lapped, lapsed, I still have some sources who are able to access uh, the files from these. It was, they're, they're being like live streamed at private links, basically, because pandemic. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to watch the meeting and on the dock at this point, cause really all I was, my original goal was to potentially just have something added to this group to say, you can't kill, like you can't, you can't like threaten to murder people. Um, you can't threaten to kill people. Yeah. Right. Like I originally wanted the group to be done away with. Uh, and then when that resulted in. <laughs> the threats worsening i was like can we just not threaten people like is that uh yeah. not nothing and and by the time i like i guess concluded my 
project, nothing had changed. But as of Saturday, something has changed. And it's uh, people are losing their shit about it. And I'm <laughs> getting emails again. And it's kind of interesting to have watched where it was uh, basically put on the table to do less than I ever asked for, but to do s technically something to strip the official title of the group to say, okay, this like racist group will continue in perpetuity, but we're just not going to give it this IQ genius club gold seal anymore. It will just be so, a racist group. So it's not going to be, yeah, it's not going to be officially affiliated with Mensa. Right. So that was... Which is, which serves the, pur the purpose of both doing nothing and letting Mensa off the hook. Exactly. Yes, it absolutely does. For and it is... For a group that they endorsed multiple times, like... What it is Multiple is, to multiple I, times. I think it's like, like a symptom of what a lot of companies are doing, which is just like PR. Uh, they're realizing that officially endorsing this group has become bad PR um, in part because of like they conducted a study to see why lapsed members leave. And uh, I think like 15 to 20 percent of that survey said it's because of this group. Um, yeah. And then uh, when my show came out, there was also like they just were getting a lot of not good press for it. Um so so that was literally the proposal. I thought it was a well-intentioned, ultimately PR-driven proposal, but it was something, and Mensa notoriously it's, it's does very nothing. Much, yeah, it's very much, we see you, we hear you, please cut your face off. Mm -hmm. Right, but it, but it was, it was interesting because it's like, it was proposed by someone I had met and interacted with a lot, and I was, I mean, again, I'm like, I might be just like giving people too much credit, but I was like genuinely surprised and kind of, I was like, oh, I wouldn't have expected this person to bring this, to bring anything forward, even if it mm -hmm. is a very superficial PR thing, uh, you know, in, in this group as it, with many, you know, if you say anything, you could just be signing up for months and years of harassment, um, so even if your proposal would not accomplish that much, you, the, the blowback as an individual is still pretty significant. Um, and there was a long, exhausting discussion. Um, of course. There is only one non-white person on that board, um, who to, who, which is, first of all, ridiculous. And second of all, but it was kind of left to them uh, to speak to a lot of the issues because it's like the defense for this group is like they're family, they're a community. And so here is a, um, a black non-binary person saying like that I'm not welcome into this family. What are you talking about? Like, this is not a free, like it's it. So, I mean, every, every single toxic organization calls themselves a family. That is like, right. Right. Rule number one. It's uh, so, so it, it was, really cool to see them be able to speak to that um mm -hmm. it was i'm sorry there's two non-white people on the board uh correction but either way all the, uh all the um old white guys on the board were very like not having it i got some fun pull quotes for my um <laughs> my like wall of shame that makes me laugh because 
um, every time I try to say something that is useful, someone just brings up the fact that I butt chugged something in 2017 and it just comes up every time. And it came up in a national Mensa meeting, which was fun. I mean, can't a woman just butt chug in peace? Can she just? And they, so anyways, the secretary of Mensa was like, I don't think that we're really going to get like a comedian said this and she butt chugged. So can we really consider this a threat? You're just like (laughs) fascinating proposal. Uh, But all that to say, the movement passed and so this group is no longer going to be an officially recognized group which so step zero has been taken and um everything i've seen uh from my sources that are still in the group is just people are losing their shit on the topic they cannot stop uh Oh, because people are like really mad that it's going to be like disaffiliated? Yes. It's like a huge, huge, huge thing. They feel that they are being disempowered. They feel that they are being deplatformed. I got another death threat. Uh, there's just like, it's just, you know, it's it's gone up to like a whatever, 15 if it was at an 11 before. Um, and so that is where things stand right now. It's... Um, it's not good. There was also, oh, this was horrible. There was like a petition put up after Mensa released a statement um, in the days after uh, George Floyd's murder. They released a PR statement, pretty clearly a PR statement because they endorsed their racist group uh, that just <laughs> um, that did not even say the words black lives or matter. And uh so first of all the statement was not that great uh but it did say but but what it prompted were like petitions from members of this group saying that you know like section e subsection two states that mensa cannot say that they endorse any people or peoples and like that they're disingenuous black lives matter statement that didn't even say black lives matter had to be taken down and that like the chairwoman needed to be fired because they had made a like a political statement and they were like well i don't think that so don't speak on my behalf and it's just uh it's 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 exhausting and it never improves i it is just continuously fascinating to me how a group of people in an IQ society can be like this. I mean, maybe, I mean, well, I guess that gets to like the whole point of your, of your podcast, which is that like the idea of an IQ society and especially like Mensa is inherently wrong and it's inherently kind of, um, not wrong person, but just like wrongheaded and misguided and um, doesn't actually do what it sets out to do. Yeah, uh, it's, not, it's not a, nothing. Yeah, it's not an actual like society of geniuses. It's just like people who really wanted to take a test to prove that they're smart. <laughs> For the most part, yeah. Um, and 
it's yeah i i i don't know what to make of it uh or i do i mean i i do i think that these groups are inherently and and i think that more recently i've been seeing more about like just public information and a re-examined discussion of like the history of the iq test is deeply racist the history of like the bmi is deeply racist and like taking these kind of relatively unquestioned metrics that just exist um, in schools and in in medical institutions and actually examining like where do they come from and um, yeah once I learned about how deeply racist the IQ not just the IQ test is but also how like the person who invented the IQ, like it's not even being applied correctly. It, it's being applied yeah. in a way that is racist and discriminatory. Like it's not a fixed thing. It's, it's the decision to make IQ fixed that allows it to be a discriminatory um, tool and also allows this, this group and other groups like it to, um, you know, like have money and have events and have, this you know platform of superiority it's just i mean that's why more and more college like people are examining the sat for the same reason Mm. and also um here in new york city they're like you know in every major city like boston also has this where where jamie and i hail from uh but they have exam schools for like the public schools where you can like like kids going into high school can take a test and possibly be placed in one of these elite public schools. Uh, and that Mm -hmm. in New York, that's like in Boston, that's Boston Latin. Um, and in New York, it's like Stuyvesant high school, Bronx, Bronx science. Stuyvesant high school is like the crown jewel of the New York city public school system. And it's all based on this exam, getting an offer there. And, I learned all about this in Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. (laughs) I learned about this. But yes, come on. uh, Last year, um, only nine black students were um, given offers by Stuyvesant High School based on that test or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it kind of started this whole conversation. It's like 70% of... New York City public schools are black and brown. Why are only nine black students getting offers from Stuyvesant High School? Right, yeah. And, um, you know, it's like there are a lot of under-resourced public schools that just don't even teach the kids that the test exists. Um, just to, and, like, shut out any possibility of being admitted, pres- presumably? Or? And But no, but also it's just because... I think that I I think the the even darker view of that the even darker interpretation of that is just that like I think that under resourced schools are seen as quote unquote bad schools and they are seen as like a lost cause and those kids are seen as a lost cause right and it's just like this in really inherently like pessimistic worldview but basically you know you have a lot of the more affluent students or even a lot of the even some middle class students who um their parents send them to like summer prep programs for this test and you know so much goes into prepping for this test Mm -hmm. um if you have the means to do it it's the same thing with the sat obviously 
um, which is such a fucking sham. I, I still, but yeah, um, I think obviously like it's just, yeah, it's the intersection of like racism and classism, um, which, you know, in cities like New York are really, really inextricable. Right. It's, yeah, it's like, it's exclusionary on so many levels. And it's, I don't know, even in the past couple of years, it's, you know, institutions that are kind of, you're taught are above reproach, uh, like schools and like, I mean, yeah, all these givens are not givens. Uh, if you apply just a little, a little scratch to them, uh, they're all bad. Um, (laughs) there, I mean, honestly, even until, um, the past few months, I was not aware of the, uh, the amount of funding that school police had. I knew that there was too much and I knew that it was overwhelming and I knew that it was a discriminatory measure, but the sheer amount of money that goes into the school police, like just is overwhelming. Like as what, what, you know, while teachers have to buy their own school supplies. I, I mean, I didn't know it either. I didn't, um, you went, the school system that you, you went through, did, were there police officers yes. in your school system? Yeah, there was a whole, okay. in my high school, there was a whole branch of the police department um, sent to our school. They had their and own uniforms. I think, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, Brockton is like the biggest school. It's the biggest high school in Massachusetts, or one of, I think. Yeah, it's real big. It's like 6,000 students. Yeah, that's cuckoo. Um, um, I can, I mean, I the, I we had like nine hundred kids in our whole high school. Uh, were there were there police there? No, no. Um, and you know when, you know AOC talked about this, like what like police abolition or defunding the police looks like. Mm-hmm. It probably m- most closely mirrors, like the sort of situation that I had growing up, which is like there's like eight police officers for the whole town <laughs> like right uh, they don't they don't do i don't know like and that's yeah i mean but i think i i think about the disparity between our experiences in in that way you and i and mm-hmm. you know you and i are two two white women from from massachusetts and but even so i mean that's clearly just a matter of the fact that like mm, the community where i grew up just was had resources pumped into it yeah and i think i mean it's i i grew up in a majority non-white low-income neighborhood and therefore you get your high school gets a branch of the police um yeah and and that's everywhere too and it's i th- I think for 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 people who who grew up in places where that didn't exist it's a, it's a way more it's a tougher pill to swallow but the pill nonetheless must be swallowed and i of course must mean be swallowed. the red pill <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah 
this is actually this is um i'm so glad you brought that up because this is a men's rights activist podcast oh uh, good oh good leftist feminist is just a front for men's rights um Sorry, i in real time am getting new screenshots from this mensa group and it is just it is simply wild oh my god i do not envy your your station in the world of mensa <laughs> at all um, i just have to but how is it that people still think Jamie, Jame, Jame Loftus, sorry, that Jame Loftus was innocent. She came to ruin Mensa by her own admission. No intention of friends, no intention of being a part of the group, only here to destroy five likes. Uh, <laughs> next comment. In that case, we must kill her. <laughs> next comment. If she didn't want to be called a cunt, maybe she shouldn't have acted like one five likes. Honestly, uh, but that is like a really good point. I mean, Kinson, <laughs> not to be a devil's advocate, but this character is making some excellent points. I just, yeah, um, sorry. I just, that is I, so, oh my God. I Again, I like, well, I do have to hand it to the members that like, because it's like, this is what happens if you do anything. So for, you know, for like the only two non-white members of this group to have advocated for something uh is kind of like it it's it takes a lot of guts even if it is a pr measure that will yeah. just you know delegitimize i guess this group it doesn't mean it won't exist and they're just reallocating it to be a special interest group which just means that they will just be mentioned on a different page of the website but the fact that you can get a death threat for being moved to a different page of the website, it just, sorry, I just got distracted again. <sighs> um, you know that, like, the are straight people okay meme? It, this should be like, are people in IQ societies okay? <laughs> they're, just, they're just not okay. They've never been okay. Um, and also, the just these posts just, like... Uh, unwire my brain because this person the person who says in that case we must kill her begins this thread on my side (laughs) (laughs) so so you really just (laughs) you gotta you gotta respect it (laughs) (laughs) they're black billing people at an alarming rate (laughs) Oh my god, I love that I do love that this happened in real time on on air on the pod. Um I feel very blessed and lucky that we get to experience this. That is really funny. Yeah, um, he, this this commenter started as a Jamie defender and ended <laughs> with a Jamie death threat. Oh, fun. You know, the the okay. the, the wow. natural circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jamie, we, we probably do have to wrap up, which I, you know, I could talk, I do talk to you for hours. Um, oh no, you kind of, (laughs) Jamie's one of, Jamie's one of maybe only, uh, four people in America who have seen me cry. It's Um, true. (laughs) And, uh, the keeper of all my secrets and, but Jamie, is there anything that you would like to, to plug to our listeners besides your very cool 
uh, live stream of Boss Who Is a Girl. Do you say that's August fourteenth? Yeah. Uh, August twenty first. August twenty first. Uh, it'll be. I'll have more information soon, but it's a part of Austin Sketchfest. They're streaming their entire a festival that was supposed to happen in April. They're going to stream it for free uh, in August. So um, that will be happening. And then, yeah, no, I mean, pretty much I that's all I've got going on. You can watch Robot Chicken if you want. I'm not going to, like, push it on you. But you can. That's so chill. That's so chill of you. That's I won't know. That's such a, I won't know, and a, I don't benefit real, from you having that's watched. A, that's a real guys girl attitude about uh, whether or not you can watch Robot Chicken. You can. But, um, <laughs> um, and I mean, everybody should know your Twitter already, but it's uh, it's at Jamie Loftus Help. Yeah. And, and then, uh, Instagram Jamie Christ Superstar. Oh, and listen to the Bechtel cast. I always forget to say that. Yeah, listen to the Bechtel cast. It's very, uh, it's it's great. I love it. And I love Jamie. Sorry, love fucking you. sue me. Holy fucking shit. come come for me, Mensa. This is gonna come back to haunt you. Someone's gonna be like <laughs> You shouldn't have been so mean to Julia Claire and then forty five minutes later they're gonna be ready to kill you. <laughs> so look out. <laughs> Well, I really am looking forward to my myriad death threats and <laughs> from members of a uh, phrenology-based IQ society. Um, Jamie, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I will, t- you know, talk to you in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, thanks. See ya. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Reply, guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Uh, the show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at OJuliaTweets, O-H julia tweets and twitter is where you can also find our reply guys they are always with us bernie take us out as i went walking that ribbon of highway i saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. Your this land, land is mine.